As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus. We're back after a few week break. I was uh, I was sick and traveling and and of course we just aren't the best planners. So, um here we are and it's uh this is our first it's not our first of January, is it? First of 2023? Um, I think it might be. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Good start for us. But, uh, yeah. No, how are no, you doing? No, 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 no. January 3rd. We recorded January 3rd. <laughs> we got off to a good start. How are you every doing? Year, every year, we're like, we're, this is the year we're going to be organized and come out on the same time every year. And, and it's just it's just really, I don't think people realize how weird our schedules are in this job. Yeah. This isn't a complaint. Nobody said nope. it's here for us. But our our lives are not consistent and easily planned. Between the two of us both having two young daughters and a job that involves travel and weird schedules and just, it's hard to say like, okay, every Monday at 9 a.m. we're going to record. That's just not how our lives work. Yeah. Like, you know, you know we, I, I, have a, I have a group of buddies from the neighborhood that I play poker with once a month. And they're always like, um, all right, who's available? Like, who's available on Saturday night, though, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know yet. I'll know in a couple of weeks, probably. But I can't make plans like that. <sighs> I, I feel so bad, like a job like that during during the spring and summer, like the, getting the kids everything they're signed up for is really easy, and then like the fall winter, it's just like, oh, well, you may just miss this class this week, you know? Like, it's... yeah, wait, wait till they get a little older, and like, you know, my daughter's got a tennis lessons and basketball practice and orchestra and and art after school, and then it's like, you know, you go to the school to pick up one daughter, you go back forty five minutes later to pick up the next daughter, then you home for five minutes, then you run back out across town to take her to a tennis lesson, then you bring her back straight to a basketball lesson, you're like, oh crap, it's eight thirty, we haven't had dinner yet, it's just yeah. like. It's chaos, man. It's fun. It's fun, but it's chaos. Yeah. No, we, we started a little bit. We got school rock and a few things lined up, but 
Um, so yeah, hockey. Um, the Blackhawks yeah. are unstoppable. Yeah, it's uh, this this, this comes this comes like a week, two weeks after you said that there's no chance the Blackhawks are getting the. <laughs> You know, it's funny. Craig Morgan, our friend who covers the Coyotes for uh, uh, PHNX uh, in, in, in in Phoenix, he texted me last night. I'm standing outside the Blackhawks locker room. They just won their fourth game, fourth time in the last five games. And he texted me. He's like, you know, he said he, he sent me a tweet I had a couple weeks ago saying that don't sweat these wins. There's no chance that the Blackhawks don't finish in last. And he's like, he's, he's like, and then like he, he sends me just that text with like a smiley face. And then like 30 seconds later, Arizona scored to tie at their game and they wound up winning. He's like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's predicting this is going to be impossible. Columbus, you know, Columbus and Anaheim, right, right now, the Blackhawks are not the worst team in the league by points percentage. They have games in hand, which you don't want to have right now. Um, but I still, I keep coming back to two things at the 21 games after the trade deadline, where they're not going to have Kane and Taves, probably no other team is going to take the hit that they're going to take at the trade deadline. Everyone sells, but nobody's selling guys like that. And secondly, the Blackhawks have only 14 or 15 home games left all season. Their second half schedule, largely because of the homestands like this last one, seven-game homestand, they're on the road constantly, like, especially in March after that trade deadline. They are they have a very difficult schedule that I think is going to allow them to comfortably finish in last place still. No, I I agree with you. I just I yeah, I, I some of it's a little bit of a crapshoot. And part of it's the Canon Taves. I mean, I, I and, and obviously it's time's kind of winding down here where they have to make a decision, but I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not so that both are leaving or just, you know, like it's, it's still like so up in the air, you know, until, and I'm curious how it's going to unfold. Like, I, I, I don't know how much they're going to want to release. Like, do you, do you let people know that? Yeah, we, I'm sure it gets out there, but you know, like we, we've asked to be traded. These are our final games. Like it's, it's, I'm sure they want to be delicate about this too. You know, like there's, um, the Blackhawks have done this to Canaan Taves in a way, but at the same time, it's still Canaan Taves saying that we want out, you know? So right. I, I, I think that it's going to be challenging for them to not, not feel like it's have negative. To tell it. If and when they have that meeting and Kyle Davidson said uh, uh, earlier this week that it's probably going to be in the next couple of weeks, they're going to have to say the result of that. They're going to have to tell people. They're going to yeah. have to say, yes, they have asked to be traded or they're open to being traded. They can leave it vague like that. Or they're going to say, no, they want to stay. Because they do deserve a farewell. Like, if they're going to get traded, they deserve to have those last home games in Chicago mean something. Yeah. And the fans deserve to have that, too. There has oh, to be sure. some closure there. No, for sure. I, I think there's there's definitely has to be an awareness. I'm just, I'm curious how how much of, a, like, a, you know, like, because it, it's, if, like, if, it, if it's now, like, oh, yeah, we did it now, and then they have, like, a month left, like, it's, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting just how it plays out, you know? Like, it's, it's knowing that at any time they could be traded or these could be the last games. And yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting time. And um, yeah, the future of the organization this season and beyond it, it all, it all weighs, you know, it all rests on what they do. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, we, we, you know, when, when they lost like eight games in a row for the second time in a 17 game span, we're like, Oh God, Kane wants out of here. And now they've won four out of five. whoop de doo They've won four whole games. And like, oh man, they seem to be having fun out there. Maybe they want to stay. Like, it, it's natural for us to overreact to like the mood swings of a season. Um, I, I, but I'm with you. I don't. I just don't think that they've made up their minds yet. I don't think Patrick Kane knows a hundred percent what he wants out of this, and I don't think Jonathan Taves knows a hundred percent. Like, they both go into the season going, "Let's see how it goes," and I'm sure that they're both leaning in one way or the other at this point. 
But I don't think either of them is comfortable sitting down to Kyle Davis saying, yes, we want out. No, we don't want out. And, you know, that's going to make this next five weeks, six weeks, whatever it's going to be. Dicey. It's going to be yeah. a delicate little dance that they do. It's also not so cut and dry. It, it, there, there, there's so many like just the details of this. Um, like part of it's up to like it, it's like yeah we'd like to be traded, but what are our options? And and David's to me like, well, I don't know yet. You know, like it, I, I think it's you know it's him exploring what's out there and what the possibilities are, where they'd like to potentially go. Um, like there's. Like they they have to give him like a month or something, you know. Like they, it has to be like there there there's a whole process to the negotiations and figuring out who's actually interested and and there's the salary aspects and yeah, there, it's such a um, I I think it's gonna be challenging for them to say yes, we want you to explore this, but then 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 it's probably the, there's some patience that's gonna have to be involved and then just kind of figuring out how it it plays out. So like it's it, it I mean the I would assume that if Kane and Taves are available that someone would want them, but it's, it also lays on how many teams Kane and Taves are open to being traded to. And, um, you know what those teams, yeah, I, you know what those teams situations are too. So like, I, I, I guess in a world, do you see that Kane and Taves say, yeah, we want to be traded and then it doesn't happen. It's unlikely. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, Kyle Davis has been pretty clear since the summer that he's going to do right by Kane and Taves. That's kind of the vibe here, right? You're, you're not going to screw these guys over. You're not going right. to like, go against their wishes. If they want to stay, you're not going to trade them. You're not going to try to trade them. You're not going to push them. And if they want to go, you're going to try to move them. And the, the fact that if they don't trade them, they get nothing for them anyway. I think that, you know, what, what Blackhawks fans need to do is brace themselves for an underwhelming return on these guys. That's the biggest thing is you can, you're not going to get a haul worthy of Patrick Kane because the pool of teams that a want him B are willing to give up something for him and C have the cap space for him. It's not very huge. It's going to be, you know, you're going to be negotiating against yourself in a lot of ways. It's going to be like Claude Giroux was last year. And if Patrick Kane says, you know what, I'm, I want to get traded, but I only want to go to the Rangers, which is what everyone is speculating because he wants to be, you know, back with Artemi Panarin, then why would the Rangers give up the world for him? Yeah. The Rangers know that they don't have to do that. And yeah, they've got an extra first round pick. So maybe you still get that first round pick, but you're not going to get multiple first round picks. You're not going to get a, a high first round pick and a top prospect. You're not going to get the haul you want. And with Taves, you're probably not even going to get a first-round pick. So you got to brace yourself for the fact that you're not going to get a lot for them. And Kyle Davidson has to accept that too, right? He's going to have to go, look, I'm going to get what I can. So I do. if they want to get traded, they're going to get traded. Somebody will take them. But it's just not going to be for the kind of haul that you always envisioned you'd get for a Patrick Kane rental. It's just not going to happen. I think think Kyle Davidson, I I think you want to recognize that. I I think the organization is – the fact that there hasn't been any contract offers negotiations that the Blackhawks are probably ready. Like not that they want to get rid of Kane and Taves, but they're, I think they're ready to move on, you know, like the, yeah. that's the next phase of the re- rebuild. Um, and I know that Taves mentioned, you know, with, uh, with NBC sports, Chicago was on their podcast earlier this week about how, you know, like there's part of him that also wants to retire as a Blackhawk. And I don't know if that's, in the cards either you know like i think that's him 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 having to openly express that that you know i'd like a new contract because i don't know if the blackhawks are coming with one you know like i don't know if that's how this this is playing out it's more of like yeah i guess if you put that out there then you put the blackhawks in a situation where yeah they probably puts a lot of pressure on kyle davidson all yeah um and and then yeah there's the financial and, and there's there's so many different things um i i think that you know 
you know, and and, we, and I've and we we've both I think asked Kyle Davidson this in the past is like, do you want these guys here? And Kyle always says, of course, you're great, and they're great with the young guys, and you know they could be a bridge. He's always saying all the right things, but I do think that as an organization, they're if they're not like looking to move them, they're comfortable with the idea of moving on from them. I don't know if they're actively wanting to, but they're certainly comfortable with the idea. But if both of them want to stay and they say publicly, you know, I'll, I want to be a Blackhawk forever. I want to finish my career here. I want to be a, I want to be helpful in this rebuild. I want to be the guy here that, that ushers in the next generation. And I'm willing to do it, you know, with a hometown discount. I don't see how you can just not give them a contract. Then. Right. No. Yeah. I, I think that that puts the Blackhawks in a situation where it has again, to. Kane and Taves have literally all the power here. Yeah. Because of every, they, they have the PR, they have the fans on their side. They have the no movement clauses, whatever Kane and Taves want to have happen here will happen. They want to get traded. They'll get traded. They want to stay and resign. I think they stay and resign. It's completely up to them, which is it, the Blackhawks really don't want to be the villains in this right. more than they already are, right? Like it's you don't want to you don't want to like you know piss off a fan base that's already on edge right now because of the way this is going by taking the two guys that they really care about and doing them a disservice, saying they wanted to be here but we don't want them. I don't think the Blackhawks can do that. I don't think they can afford to do that. No, no, yeah, you you need as much goodwill right now, especially if it, it's going to be a minute for their good game. Before they're good again, and I, I think how, I think how, we've, we've talked too, about think... this before. When you go around the arena, how many Seth Jones jerseys do you see? No, there's no, there's Kenny. nothing there. There's, no, there's the, there was a Kurashev jersey that Blackhawks tweeted out the other day that, it, that someone it showed Kurashev the jersey, and I I don't see they they don't even I don't even know if they sell anymore. I I, I mean I assume they sell some of the jerseys, but uh, there were a lot more prominent jerseys around the stadium than there are now. It's just Kane and Taves everywhere. It's yeah, um, yeah, it's it's. I, I think that's the hardest part too. Is that if you get Connor Bedard, you put his jerseys up everywhere. I, I don't. It, it gets a lot harder if you don't get Connor Bedard. You know, like I think this, the hard the hard thing for the for for Kane is I think you know, I, I you know I've been saying this all year. I think he his best case scenario is he stays with the Blackhawks and good things happen. But and I think the idea of playing alongside Connor Bedard would be exciting. Then he watches a lot of hockey. I'm sure he watched a lot of the World Juniors and saw what we all saw that this kid's amazing. But the draft lottery is not till after the season. It's well after the trade deadline. Yeah. So if he wants to stay in Chicago to play with Connor Bedard, he's rolling the dice because he's not going to know if they have Connor Bedard until mid-April. No, so, if he sure. decides, so if he decides he wants to stay because of Connor Bedard and then they don't get Connor Bedard and then he says, I want to go somewhere in free agency, then he looks like the villain because he screwed over the Blackhawks and robbed them of a chance to get something for him. So it's a it's it's just it's a really it's just a delicate situation all around. It's fascinating to to you know the, the permutations that can come from this are so fascinating. Yeah, with with Kane, I, if Kane and Domi and Anathasia would click, or if some combination would click with Kane, I think this would be a different story too, where where you could foresee something in the, you know in the next couple of years. I I I think Kane's had enough frustration this year personally, you know, I guess individually and as a team that he. It's going to be better for him wherever he goes, you know, with Taves. I don't know if that's the case. Like Taves is who he is and, you know, what he is as a player and the, you know, the opportunities he's given and the leadership, it all changes if he goes somewhere else. Kane is, it's a better situation. I mean, Taves goes somewhere and he's, um, yeah, he doesn't step into a leadership role in the same way, and and he may win, and maybe you know maybe that's a priority at this point. But I don't sense that with with Kane. I think the priorities have changed a little bit. Where yeah, I, I don't think hockey is as fun, you know. Like he's he just it's not uh, it's not even like they're c- creating a whole lot on, on on given nights, and um, 
Yeah, and then part of it, you know, I I guess the writing is on the wall a little bit too with the Reichel situation. Where I mean, you wrote about the other day where the Blackhawks were obviously better with Lucas Reichel in the lineup, and um, and it's not even like Kane's getting a chance to play with Reichel, and um, yeah, it just it just I feel like Kane's situation has changed this year, and I I think that he was open. He thought I think he was pretty optimistic coming into the season that things would probably be the same, and it, it, the seasons wore on him in in ways that he probably didn't even anticipate. Yeah, it's tough because you know I, I did that story yesterday where uh, I I talked to some you know franchise icons that moved teams late in their careers to get kind of comparisons to Taysom. I talked to Brian Leach, who the Rangers traded against his wishes to Toronto. I talked to Patrick Marlowe, who you know the the Sharks decided they didn't want him anymore, so he went and signed somewhere else with Toronto. Also, and I talked to um, uh, uh, Mike Madano, who you know, wanted to finish his career in Dallas, wanted to play another year, but Dallas didn't want him. So he went and played in Detroit for a year. And all three of those guys, it was interesting. They all sort of regretted it, but didn't like all of them wished they could have. I I asked them all the same thing. I said, do we make too much out of the idea of playing your entire career with one team? And all of them quickly said, no, it matters. It's important to me. But, and then there was always a button. Like the Leach wanted to stay with the Rangers. He said he wanted to be the next generation's Messier. He wanted to be that guy. He said, I was happy with where I was. I was comfortable with a lesser role and ushering in these next guys. Like Leach is a really good comparison for, for Taves, I think, right now, where he's not at the peak. He was not at the peak of his powers, but he wanted to, he was okay with a lesser role. Um, and he 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 loved his time in Toronto, but really is bitter still. 20 years later about the Rangers trading because he wanted to stay forever. Madonna kind of wished he never went to Detroit, even though it's his hometown. He wished he could have finished as a star. And Marlowe was like, well, I just wanted to keep playing. So they didn't give me the option. Yeah. Uh, all of those guys in a perfect world would have stayed home. And it's easy for us to say, look, Kane and Taser in their mid thirties, they've got three Stanley cups. They have nothing left to prove. They're hall of famers. They're already there. Why wouldn't you just go and just be the icon, be the legend in Chicago forever, get your statues and just be that guy? It's easy for us to say that, but you know these guys haven't been in a competitive playoff. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the big picture is that I mean going back to you know sitting down with Kane and doing that um, the NHL '99 story where he said that he it's been so long that it feels like two different two different careers where the the first career you have all the success and then. I mean, we're talking about 2015. They haven't won a series, right? Like yeah. it, it's it's not going to happen again this year unless they're traded. So, yeah, I think that's the part of it. Like if, if the Blackhawks were just coming off of it, it'd be a different feeling. But it's I'm sure they just they don't want to regret things either way. Like you don't want to regret leaving and hating it. But you also don't want to regret that you wasted your career and, and not having the taste that, you know, that having that some that said same success again. So I, I get it, too. I, I, I think. I think where they can fall back on and if they do get traded is that, I mean, ultimately they're going to have statues outside, right? Like the Blackhawks are going to put these guys up in the rafters and they're going to have, you know, the numbers retired and the, the, the statues. So the, I mean, they're going to come back in some capacity and they're going to be celebrated. I just, yeah, I, I think if I was, yeah, I, I guess from a player standpoint, and if you're them, it just, you don't want to, how much are you going to enjoy with the, I mean, the Blackhawks aren't going to win the cup again for, for a little yeah. bit here, you know, like, so it, you have to really be on board with what's going on. And, um, and, and let's and be th- honest, who remembers Brian Leach was a Boston Bruin? Nobody. He's a Ranger. No. Yeah. Who remembers that Mike Madonna was a Red Wing? Nobody. He's a star. Like in the end, those years, you know, nobody cares that Willie Mays was a Met and Bobby Orr was a Blackhawk. People forget about that. Like we make a big deal about it at the time. And then five years after they retire, nobody even remembers it happens. So. Yeah. You know, they'll always be Blackhawks. They'll always be remembered as Blackhawks. They'll go into the Hall of Fame as Blackhawks. Their whole legacies are written with the Blackhawks. 
that they're not they're not going to change. That's not going to change. As weird as it'll be, you know, nobody thinks of Duncan Keith as an oiler. Yeah, yeah. It was not really sure. weird to see Duncan Keith as an oiler. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, you, you were at the game last night. Uh, you wrote about Kershev today. And, and Kershev and Jones, are arguably the two best players on the ice last night, are the two guys that are that are probably here beyond beyond next season. Yeah. Um, Kershev's interesting to me because he's never been uh, at any level. He's been never been like an offensive star. He's been a really nice player. Um, I, I'm curious where he fits in. You know, like I I think that as long as he's uh, I, I one he just kind of needs to continue to kind of prove himself as he is the Davidson. But if he can be that top nine guy who can play up and down the lineup, I think there's a future for him because. It's as good as he was last night. It, it hasn't shown as many signs of that. I think there's more signs of it as of late. And I thought him and Reichel and Domi were, were really good together. Yeah. Um, but it, it's about that consistency. But yeah, it's. I think he's he's certainly trending in the right direction. Where he he's gotten better. It just it's whether yeah it's back to that consistency if he can stay at that level. Yeah, he kind of came up as more of a defensive minded guy, kind of like a you know a two hundred foot player type, but who wasn't going to produce a lot, but. Man, you watch him in practice, and you watch him. I mean, I know we make too big a deal out of two pucks sometimes, which is you know the silly game they played in a practice. He's better than Patrick Kane at it. He's got mad skills, man. He's got really good hands. He's got a really good shot. He's a sneaky little player out there. And when he's playing with that confidence, you can tell the difference. He looked phenomenal yesterday. He mm-hmm. was really good. He was the best player on the ice. The analytics backed him up. The counting stats backed him up. He had a goal and two assists, uh, both primary assists. He was creating more chances. He could, like Luke Richardson said, he could have had him a couple more points, and he and he wasn't wrong. He looked like a top six player, like a real legit high end elite winger uh, who can also play center a little bit if he has to. You know, I don't know if he can do that long term, but if you can unlock him, yeah. you know, he's he's literally the one guy on this team where you could say three years from now I can see him in Chicago's top six. Yeah. I can't be Taylor Radish, maybe. Kurashev is the only one who has that real long-term ceiling here where, you know, we. this is why you and I don't write about the X's and O's of this team much because almost nobody on this team is going to be here still when it matters in a few years. You know, so like you said, Seth Jones and Kurashev, they might be the only two. So he's the one to keep an eye on. He's the only one that I see here that really has that long-term depend- potential to still be a major part of this when you're on the other side of it, when you're all done. Um He's got to do it consistently. He's got to show that jump in his step he had last night and that aggressiveness and, you know, that that almost cockiness to make plays that, he, that a lot of guys don't think about making. If you can get him there all the time, 
if he can be the guy during games that he is in practices, and I know that sounds silly to say, but you know, I've been talking to a lot of guys about him lately, and they marvel about just how arrogant he is in practice, how he talks so much shit, and how you know skilled he is. If you can tap into that on a regular basis, his ceiling is really high. There's a lot of skill there. He's really the last gem of the Bowman-Kelly administration. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick, and he was a point-to-game guy in the QMJHL, but doing that as like an 18-year-old isn't all that big of a deal in that league. Yeah, yeah, he was like twenty or thirtieth in points. Like it was, it was respectable. Yeah, he's it was good. Fine. He's good. Yeah. He was, but yeah. he was never a dominant player in junior. Right. But there, there, he's only twenty three years old. He's younger than Ian Mitchell and some of these guys that we still think of as prospects. And he's been in the NHL now for three years. He's a good player. Yeah. It's just a question of how good can he be. Yeah. No, it's yeah. He, he, it's yeah. He, it's it's interesting. Like he is the one that player that like you can noticeably taken. It's taken a step too. Like the fact that he's playing. Um, I, I know you wrote about him early in the season about how he should get this opportunity, and 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 yeah, he's 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 carried. Yeah, I was right it. about something that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> um, and and with Seth Jones, it's it's the offense, you know, like it's um, there there's some deficiencies in his game, and uh, you know, especially defending the rush and you know defending the blue line. Um, but it's yeah, if he can create some, then it's it it, it just it makes everything else more dangerous, you know, like he's um. It, as much as he plays that he has to be some sort of threat on the, in the offensive zone. And um, yeah, we're, we're seeing him around the net a lot more lately. Uh, you know, they got a goal uh, in the, in the, in the uh, Seattle game where it looked like he had to, there was an offensive, but he's like in the crease, like he's really diving down more and, and being more aggressive and shooting more. And you know, we need to see more of that from him. Or Alex Daylock, huh? I mean, the guy can't just catch oh, a fucking break brutal. this year, huh? It's, it's, it's the guy is, he's, been so good. He's like a nine twenty something save percentage on this team, which is just extraordinary. And yeah, you know, I mean, he played one game in the last two years. He comes back in, he's immediately really good. Misses six weeks with a concussion. Comes back, gets sick. Comes back, gets a concussion in practice. Uh, it, it's really. Uh, I, I hope he's back quickly from this one. He's super popular as a teammate. Everybody says he's the funniest guy in the team. Uh, he's he's a really likable guy. He plays that just frantic, aggressive style that. You know, the, the, he battles out there because he's not some six foot six goalie. So he's like Dominic Hoshecking through the crease and stuff. He's fun to watch. He's fun to play in front of, apparently. And uh, it's just, it's really unfortunate how this keeps happening to him. Uh, we have some questions that we put out for today um, from uh, Milwaukee Sanders, uh, who's uh, who's Chris Watkins. Uh, he and I have actually played some basketball together just recently. Um, is Katie going to Tim Murray this thing? What's the plan if they don't get Connor Bedard? How are they going to accumulate enough talent? Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli's of the world to leapfrog a team like New Jersey on the way to a cup. I, I, I think this is something I want to write about even this week is if they don't get Bedard, because, you know, as we've seen in the point standings over the last few days that nothing's given and there are ways that the Blackhawks may um, end up with the first pick and even if they are the worst team they may may not end up with the first pick but I I think it does become a lot more challenging because as good as Fantilli and Carlson are who arguably potential number one picks in other draft years that they're not Connor Bedard so it's I I I mean look at your Slavkovsky. he's not exactly like you know transforming the Montreal Canadiens organization Not, not every great pick is a great player yeah, or, and or just some take time, right? Like it's yeah. it's there, there aren't as many guys who step into a lineup and 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 produce. So I I think there is a challenge for the Blackhawks, and and I think they're aware they can't do this too many years. Like it's trying for fans as as good as the attendance has been. 
you do still have the Kane and Taves factor and you know like people are I think are still excited about hockey um you take away Kane and Taves and I don't know if the fans are the same you know and you go through another season like this but when when you look at you know maybe what Carlson and Fantilli needing more time to develop or um yeah just uh, you look at the cap space and I, yeah, I don't know I I think in some ways the Blackhawks and fans need to be prepared for another season that's potentially like this where it could be worse yeah yeah you for... if you get bedard they're gonna they're gonna add a couple of guys over yeah the summer. they'll be a little more aggressive if they don't i mean you know fantilli looks great carlson's getting rave reviews but you know nico Heeshier was the number one pick it's taken him years to become a great player now he's a great player uh rasmus Dahlin is amazing but he was just kind of pretty good those first couple of years when when he was drafted alexis lafreniere still hasn't hit that point i mean if you don't get the stud number one overall, it's a disaster. It's an absolute unmitigated disaster. So, like, this pick has to work out. But Dard will work out. Fantilli and Carlson will probably work out. There's a but but it, it, even them working out, like, it may not be imme- as immediate right. as Bedard, right? right? Like, it just, it's, it's, they're also slightly, I mean, they are different players. So it's Leo, Leo Carlson does not immediately transform the Blackhawks the way Connor Bedard does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's here's a similar question. Eric Andrews asks, uh, which draft position is quote unquote easier this year, two or four? I think it's two because if it's two, you're drafting Fantilli. If it's four, you're gonna have to decide if Matt Vay Mitchkoff is your guy. Yeah. You have to decide. Like I I've I've been floating this conspiracy all year where you know uh Arizona is gonna be locked into that number four spot because the timing works out where they can afford to take him. Because then he comes over the year that their new arena opens and they've got a big marketable guy and everything works out great. They don't need a superstar these next couple of years because they only have to sell 4,000 tickets. So that's my big conspiracy theory is Arizona's already got the number four pick no matter what happens. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I think the Blackhawks will be in a tough spot if they land with four. I I was asking Scott Wheeler about this and you know he he still thinks Mishkov's that guy. So it's th- there's no one that's jumped him to say that the Blackhawks can't not take him at number four. Right, that, that's the problem. So, um, but it's a tough sell to your fans to say we're taking this guy. You're gonna love him in four years. Yes. Uh, from Sam, who is the unexpected trade Davidson makes at the trade deadline this year? What's the latest on AD eight and nineteen? Um, yeah, no, not a whole lot on Cannon Taves. Something should. Hopefully, hopefully unfold the next few weeks. Uh, unexpected trade. I, I think the Blackhawks are open to anything. So it depends on who comes with something, right? Like if someone realistically comes with for McCabe or uh, Radish or whomever, guys that who aren't on expiring contracts, Lafferty. Um, I don't think the Blackhawks are expecting it, but if someone calls, they're certainly open to that discussion. So I, I think that's the interesting part of it. Yeah, I thought that maybe Kurashev and Jones. I don't. I guess everyone's probably fair game, and, and probably yeah, Kurashev's I mean, like, probably fair game. And you know, if someone actually called realistically about Jones, I just, I, I don't think anyone is. So yeah, I think I yeah, like like we've like we've been saying, Kurashev and Jones are the two guys we see on the other other side of this. I think anyone else is available. You know, you're going to have to make them an offer that that that's good enough. But I, I I don't think Kyle Davidson has nailed anything to the floor just yet. Yeah. Uh from Jason Tornquist, Taves for New Hook, a second and a third. Who says no? Uh probably Colorado, right? Like it's Yeah, New it, Hook's a first round pick just a couple of years ago. They like Yeah, I, I I think people need the temper. I and I think I think this is something we're gonna do. We're gonna do who says no uh soon uh for people to kind of throw some trade possibilities out for Kane and Taves. But yeah, yeah, people are gonna need the temper of their expectations for what people what Taves is gonna 
bring back or Kane's going to bring back. Like it's just, you know, as, as Laz brought up, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's not going to be really a seller's market for the Blackhawks and, and, with this. And what Colorado needs is a center. So trading new hook for Taves, it leaves them right where they are. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't foresee that happening. Um, from Mata Pumo, who should the Hawks target in next year's draft? Uh, I, I was just, I was just asking Scott Wheeler about this too, just kind of our questions. But there's a, there's, there's a kid actually at the uh, the Chicago Steel again. Um. It's uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, Max Celebrini, who's who's supposed to be the the number one guy that they're estimating, and then there's also someone, uh, Cole Eisman, who's with the uh, national team development program that's supposed to be a star guy. Um, I, I don't think they're Bedar level guys, but um, supposed to be pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone gets a chance to go to Chicago Steel. I mean, in the recent years they've had Owen Power, Adam Fantilli, and then potentially the number one pick next year. So they're obviously drawing pretty pretty good talent there and uh you know they've, they've made some organizational changes with guys just leaving for the pros leaving for the nhl but they seem to keep it going pretty well so um uh, Shea price was an interesting question if something like yvonne provorov happened with a blackhawk would that player be benched by richardson obviously for those who hadn't heard uh or aren't in my mentions all day today <laughs> um yvonne provorov refused to wear the uh, pride jersey that the flyers were wearing during warm-ups last night and they auctioned them all for charity um, citing his religious beliefs. He's Orthodox Russian, he said. Um, and uh, the Flyers let him play, which to me was incredibly disappointing. Not terribly surprising this being the NHL, but really disappointing that, you know, this is a charity drive that's important to the Flyers. The Flyers have always been out front when it comes to LGBTQ plus uh, issues. They've been a really good organization about that. John Tortorella, you know, despite his reputation, is known throughout the league for being a really good guy. Uh, open-minded and, and 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 things like that and you know i mentioned last night his whole thing about where he said he would bench someone if they tried to protest during the national anthem back in 2016 but he reversed course on that he said uh to his credit that he talked about it with other people and he, and he learned what the you know colin kaepernick was protesting for and in the wake of george floyd said he wouldn't bench someone who did that um so I'm disappointed that they just allowed Provorov to play last night. And I don't know if there's NHLPA issues. We haven't really gotten into the, you know, we're just starting the reporting on this. But uh, the Flyers could have sent a very strong message to the LGBTQ community and to its fans and to its team um, if they had just not played Provorov last night. And letting him play sends all the wrong messages. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought the most dis not not well, not the most disappointing part, but it was just it was the accountability factor afterward was. Tortorella had a chance to really, you know, to really put his own opinions about what Provorov did. Instead, he he came out and said that that he respected Provorov for being, you know, sticking to his beliefs. And yeah, I don't know. It it just felt like there was an opportunity to, you know, to really, yeah, to be like this make a statement. This, yeah, to, to make a statement about you know that this isn't right. This is if we're going to be, you know, this inclusive or you know league and organization and um. This yeah, th- this can't happen. This was you a know? charity drive. This was yeah. a charity event that Provorov refused to participate in. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, and, and you know, everyone. There's a lot of people out there saying, you know, well, you have to respect his rights, uh, and I don't. I honestly, fuck you, I don't. You don't have to respect someone's right to not respect other people's rights. Yeah, and to me, that's you know, you, 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 I disagree with his lifestyle. I don't give a shit. It's not your lifestyle, and it's not your place to tell someone else how to live. And then they come back with. You're telling him how to live. Well, he works for an organization that this is their part of their beliefs. They have this uh, event. You know, your employer says, you know, you, that we're doing a charity event. You don't get to just sit it out. 
I, yeah. I, I, I just have a real problem with like the message it sends. You're a professional athlete. You have a responsibility to your community and to your fans. And the player let the t- the fans down. The team let the fans down. The coach let the fans down. And you know, once again, the league lets us all down. A lot of the comments that yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've read a lot of the comments too. But the, the ones that really kind of hit home are the people who are in that community. You know, the people who, who are feel like they're being judged and, and trying to be hockey fans. And you know, I, there was a. Uh, the comment today said, you know, the comments on this and every other post on Provorov are so depressing. I love being a queer sports fan, but man, is it exhausting sometimes. I, you know, right. like people are people want hockey to be an outlet to something to get away. And it's I, 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 I think people refuse to look at it in from another person's, you know, other people's perspective, too, that it's, you know, these people are being judged for, you know, their beliefs and uh, they're here to be a hockey fan. And all of a sudden it became about them because he chose um yeah he he made that decision too so i i yeah i it's 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 not unexpected but it is just disappointing hiding and and and, and i'm gonna hiding behind your religion to justify your bigotry is it's just cowardice to me i'm sorry yeah no i i agree with you um we have a few more uh uh this is from Kyle Fultz. Does it make your job harder when national hockey reporters speculate on injuries and the ramifications like with Patrick Kane recently? Um, I think I think if it's a big enough game, like you, you listen to it. And, and I think, you know, we're not doing our jobs if we aren't. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, you know, like th- these people do know things and, and certainly don't know everything, as we've learned, too. I think is more times we spend on this beat knowing that sometimes they're also kind of throwing stuff against the wall or or someone gives them information and they're running with it. So I, I think it's our job to uh, look into it and, and yeah, do our own research. But it's um, yeah, I, I've, I guess I've gotten to the point where I just it's not always the truth. Right. Like it's. Yeah. I mean, you need you need to first of all, you need to like, you know, be able to discern between a reliable source and a non-reliable source. And, you know, it's also it whether from, it comes on a podcast or whether it's in written form, like it's there's different right, ways. Of, you, 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 when you speak extemporaneously, a lot of times you'll say something in a manner that, in you know, I'm not a, like, very clearly I'm not a professional talker guy. I'm a professional writer guy. And so I might say something off the cuff that. I've written would have been a little more succinct or clearer or, you know, specific or whatever. Um, but if it's someone of prominence who, who we respect, and there's a lot of people in this industry that we respect, uh, they're not just saying things idly. You know, if someone's throwing something out there, it's because they know something because they've heard something. If they talk to somebody, uh, you know, good reporters don't float things irresponsibly. And there's a lot of good reporters out there and, you know, whether it's the national guys like Elliot or Drager or, you know, Bob McKenzie back in the day, Pierre, of course, you know, these are incredibly connected, well-respected reporters who we have all the respect in the world for. And, you know, if they're saying something, you know, there's, there's reason to take them seriously on it. So I look at it. Last question from blackjack. What is Davidson waiting for with regards to moving out veterans? You mean there is no market for Connor, Connor Murphy, start moving them out for picks. I, I, I think I think people need to be patient here too. Where it's still early, um, it, it sounds like discussions may be slightly picking up, but it, most trades still happen around the deadline, which was we're, we're a little bit less than two months out. Like it's still, it's probably still another num- month or so thing until things pick up. Um, uh, the reality is, even if the Blackhawks want to move Murphy, McCabe, and some of these guys, it's challenging on on contracts that are um yeah beyond the season i mean most teams are looking for expiring contracts and um 
there's some questions about Murphy and Dave McDave too. Like it, as good as McCabe has been this year, it's um, do you want him for two more years or um, you know, Murphy's Murphy's been solid. It's just, it, it's, I guess it's people, people are usually looking to fix something or to improve something in the short term. Um, yeah. The, the discussions for the long-term players are a little bit different. So I, as much as, I think Davidson, you know, I think Davidson wants to hit reset in a lot of different areas. I also I also think part of it is that the Blackhawks need to be mindful of filling cap space for next year. And and so that I don't think they're going to trade anyone for anything. I, I think there's, um, you know, like if someone is, is good in the room and they feel like it's good for development of players, then it's not going to be a team that's going to be bunch of 20 year old guys on right. you know $900,000 contracts next year it's they're, they're going to be some veterans who are around here for two or three more years and I think the Blackhawks are going to try to choose that wisely and and over the next next few off seasons I think the Blackhawks will start starting spending money again and and start planning for the future but um yeah I I, I don't think it's as easy as people think like and I also I also think that we'll, we'll know more here in the month you know like the Hagel thing the Hagel thing kind of developed late too where like that became a possibility and that occurred closer to the deadline. And um, so I think over the next month, we'll have a better sense of who's actually realistically being shopped and, or, or not even being shopped at just what other teams actually desire. And don't forget, as you wrote, um, the Blackhawks need to have some money on the books next year. You can't have, uh, you know, they need a lot of money on the books. Yeah. <laughs> they need a lot of, there's an, what, 26 something million between Kane Taves and the Keith recapture penalty off the books next year yeah i mean somebody's got to make four million dollars on this team you got to give yeah. out some money yeah and then that's what and the CU and domi's contracts expiring and yeah maybe yeah. those guys come back but yeah there's there's a lot of um yeah the next six months or so for kyle davidson between yeah this deadline and then the, the draft and then yeah the free agency like it's um yeah it's it's easy to tear it down it'll be interesting to see how you start building it up again yeah so um looking, looking ahead here you got uh you're going to philly today yeah, Philly today, Philly and St. Louis, um, and then they're uh, at home for one, and then they're back on the road again, right? Yeah, I'm going out to Western Canada, get a little uh, minus 40 degree wind chill in me. That's always fun in January. <laughs> I love um, going out. I'll go to I'll go to Edmonton where they shot the the Last of Us premiere apparently, which is kind of cool. I, nice. I, I actually I was watching that the other day. I'm like, oh, I know I know that block. That's right by Bistro Praha. <laughs> um. So yeah, we will. Uh, you'll be on the road next week, but we will. Hopefully we'll figure out a way to redo a podcast. And... I'll remember to pack my uh, my microphone for a change. Yeah. Okay. It's good. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll have plenty of coverage coming ahead, and uh, yeah, things should yeah it'll be an interesting month. I mean, I'm sure we'll have plenty plenty of content around the cherry deadline, and um, yeah, we should have some sort of indication of what Kane and Taves want to do here in the coming week. So a lot of interesting things, and the Blackhawks are winning games. So yeah, we'll see. If, you know uh, what? It's been fun. I, I know nobody wants to see the Blackhawks win, but if you've been in the building for some of these wins, you know, the, the roof's coming off the place again. It's just fun to like see hockey. That's like exciting. Cause it's been such a bad, boring season in a lot of ways. Like you see Seth Jones celebrating his game tying goal last night. You know, it means something to these guys. It means something to the fans to get, it's okay to have a little bit of joy during the season, especially coming off of that Seattle game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh man, that Seattle game! Wow, <laughs> that was that first period was the damnedest thing I think I've ever seen in a hockey rink, and I've seen some shit, man. <laughs> uh, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers. I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?